a Keep Productive production. Welcome to the Tools They Use podcast. Interviews with professionals about how they use apps, software, habits, and routines every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Tools They Use podcast. I'm joined again by Justin. How are you, Justin? I'm doing fantastic today. It's Good. freezing cold here in northern Minnesota, but it's a beautiful day nonetheless. Wait, it's cold there already? Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's, <laughs> it's just rainy here. It's not cold yet. <laughs> it, it's cold. I mean, cold for this time of year. I guess it's like 40 some degrees outside. So right, which in Fahrenheit, I, I'm sorry, I don't do Celsius math in my head. I'd have to figure <laughs> that one out. <laughs> Well, the thing is, whenever anyone says Fahrenheit, I'm like, oh my god, that must be boiling, but it's probably a normal temperature, <laughs> so uh, my math isn't good. Uh, it's it's okay, because it'll, be, it'll get easier if we talk in the middle of January, February, because it gets to like minus 30 around here, which is about the same in Celsius and Fahrenheit, so... Oh god, that's bad. Oof. Yeah, it gets really cold. Oh, Jesus. You've just dropped a bombshell on me just before we started that you're using Notion. Let, let's talk about that to get, to get things going. <laughs> yes. So I haven't gone like full in like hardcore Notion use, um, but I have found a really nice use case for me. And, and it's been something that I've been trying to find a tool or a method in a notebook or something that would fit this specific use case and and that's around like planning and almost having like a dashboard view of what are my priorities what am i focusing on what's my like kind of focus and one word that i kind of try to summarize this year kind of tying to like cgp gray on the cortex podcast they use yearly themes i i've kind of taken that approach a little bit yeah Uh, but trying to have this place where how can I have all of this visible to me in a spot so where I can start to get a big picture view of what's going on in my life? And honestly, I've kind of seen and found Notion to be a good fit for that because it's flexible. You have a lot of different you know, ways that you can get data in there and, put, and view data in there. And it's been kind of a fun experience playing around with it. And the thing that I've found interesting is that it has a lot of the flexibility of paper, yeah. but you can go back and edit it later, which has always been a gripe of mine about paper. Yeah. The, I'm, I'm just trying to work it out. Like, is it just like you've created this one pager that's like everything that you are focusing on that specific week is just there? Um, Kind of. So the way I have it broken down is that I have a top page for 2019. And then I have sub pages under there for each quarter or I call them seasons anyway, because I hate like super hard deadline type things. (laughs) And so I've got one under there for kind of the third quarter of 2019. And that's like my main focus for this like three month period or so. And then like some of the major projects that I'm working on. And then I also underneath of that store my like my project reference materials. So I've got for the big projects anyway that need it, I'll create a new page under that season page and then um, put all the project references on there. So I just recently got back uh, from a trip to San Francisco for the CMX Community Manager Summit um, for um, because Discourse was a sponsor of that. And what I did there uh, was I just I put a list together with all of my travel plans and like flight numbers and 
Airbnb information and all that. So it was just all in one place that I could refer back to it. And it's worked really well so far to like kind of get a big picture view of what's going on and where I want to head. Oh, I'm, I'm quite excited to see how you get on with it, because obviously it's like one of those things that you have to just keep digging deeper. And then if it works out, you can sort of go really customization with it, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I've gotten, I think I've, I think I mentioned this in the very first podcast that we did together, Mm. I think way back in February or something that was, um, but I get a little hesitant about, you know, diving all into these more proprietary services because I kind of got burned by Evernote a while back and I had a harder time getting some data out and it was just, it was kind of a rough deal. Not that Evernote's bad software, but anything like that. I definitely have used it in the past and I still kind of use it for a couple of things, but like I I have a little bit of a challenge fully committing to Notion as this like, hey, let me put all of my stuff in it. But for yeah. this one specific use right now, it's been working out really well. It's it's stuck, which is difficult to do for an app for me. So that's mm-hmm. kind of fun. Very good. Well uh everyone should stay tuned for the uh how Justin uses Notion video on, on Keep Productive. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> that'll come out soon. Um, yeah yeah we'll line something up like that yeah definitely well uh today uh we will be chatting uh about me and me and justin picks out five each uh combining to 10 uh apps that we think are great for remote workers um we talked last time about the sort of concept of loneliness which has been a conversation that me and you've been chatting about anyway um but now we're going to sort of put some tools to the uh the old name. So uh, I think you're number one, Justin. So uh, feel free to kick us off. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when when you're looking at remote work, your tooling is probably the most important thing that you can focus on. Because I mean, especially if you're a freelancer, and you have the freedom to choose these things, but even companies that are starting to get off the ground, as remote only distributed companies, having good tools that do the work for you and and are enjoyable to use because you're living in them all day being completely digital that it's super important to have these things picked out i know this list that we're going to get into is a i think a solid list of some neat tools both software and hardware tools uh, that are helpful uh, for remote workers definitely and the first one i've got here is uh discourse Yes, I will say completely upfront that I work for Discourse, the company, but they're not paying me to say this or anything like that. I'm throwing this out there actually because I really love the software and that's actually how I ended up getting a job with Discourse. But if you've never heard of Discourse, it's traditionally been more of an online forum software, online community. But one thing that we use it for internally at Discourse is team communications. And it's focused on long form communication actually really helps bring a lot of context, especially historically throughout the company. So when I first came on board at Discourse just a few months ago, it was really easy for me to catch up on like, hey, what's going on now in the company? But as I've gotten into our internal forums more, it's been really easy for me to kind of get a historical context too. Hey, why was this decision made? Or hey, what's the what's the history on this conversation? Because there's lots of conversations that continue to come up over time and you can get more historical context over that. It's been actually a really neat like way to work together, uh, kind of as a replacement for email, um, but also giving us the capability to handle things like project management and stuff like that too. 
Yeah, I, mean, I think these sort of team communication tools are, are, are like really, really important. And, and I've got a few that I'll mention later. Um, and for the main reason that like your team needs to be able to, because uh, you're so spread distributed around the world, it's like you want to have some form of relationship. And that's where um, like Zoom, for, I know it's not on actually on the list, but Zoom has been really valuable, at least when I was in a remote working situation to sort of connect, make sure you're seeing faces every single day. Something we mentioned last time. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. And I mean, I, I think communication is the backbone of any organization and, and you have to have high quality communication for work to kind of continue, I guess, yeah. um, at, at a, at a quality level because hmm. I know a lot of organizations use like Slack um, or other software like that and it's um you know it's like Slack is great but like we we'll talk about it a little later in the episode but we use a, a different chat software and we still try to primarily use discourse because uh, it keeps the quality level of the communications higher yeah um, you know because we're focusing more on like the units of communication being sentences and paragraphs versus like little words or emoji yeah so it just kind of it kind of makes it more meaningful from a business and communication perspective when we're actually trying to get stuff done yeah i totally get what you mean about slack and that's definitely something to mention later in the in the episode um the second tool that uh, which was one of my choices was um loom um and there's also an alternative that i want to mention as well which is also a good one but i found success in loom is cloud app um but Loom is is basically if, for example, uh, you work with a, a developer or maybe you're a designer or a marketer and you want to be able to communicate what's in front of you on a page. Maybe it's like a, a good bit of website design and you want to talk to it. Um, for example, oh, there's a lovely bits of font or um, this head is brilliant. Can we design something like this? Or maybe even talking to an article or piece of content. Then what you can do is you can use loom or cloud app which installs on your mac or windows and you can basically quick capture um, a, a small video of you basically talking to that page um, and this can be done through feedback like you can send feedback through video format um, and your face pops up in the bottom left hand corner or wherever you want and what i quite like about this as a remote tool is it gives a sense of uh humanity to I guess because you're actually sharing uh, what you're doing and also sort of giving feedback in a in a much more uh, interactive format than say email so those are sort of two tools that I go to and, and previously used in a remote situation because I was just clipping something and sharing it quite instantly and, and the great thing is it sort of creates a share link automatically so you can send it versus like um, you know having to upload something to Google Drive and then share a Google Drive link. It's pretty instantaneous. Have you used any of them? Out of curiosity, Justin. You know, I have I think I've used Cloud App in the past. I don't currently have like a huge use case for something like that. But having worked in client support and technical support roles in the past, always having some kind of a way to show something to someone is so much better than having to resolve you know, yeah. try to tell them show and tell is better than just telling as I was as we probably just experienced earlier when I was trying to explain my notions yeah <laughs> yeah we could have used one of them just there. <laughs> but um yeah it's like uh, a really uh a solid tool that I use on a pretty routine basis 
Yeah, that's fantastic. So do you do do you use that primarily for like team communications internally or you use that with like freelance work that you do or what what does that look like? I used it previously a lot for freelancing actually like when I uh, used to like get an article or want to share some article feedback then I'd be able to actually you know have the Google Doc up and then hover over stuff and talk to it Um, but now I I really use it if like um, people email me and they're like Francesco I have no idea how to do this inside of Notion or this inside of Todoist, then I normally jump on one of them and explain it to them and then send them a video back. And it's it kills two birds with one stone because you're showing someone something and you're also um, talking to them directly, like you're making a personal video for them. So it makes it actually really uh, interactive. That's really clever. I'm going to have to take a look into that. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and number three... Yeah, so the next one that I had uh, is something that I discovered when I was in this kind of transitionary period between like selling my house and then buying a new one. We had about three weeks where we were mobile between some relatives and some friends' places. And I came across this pretty cool stand for a laptop called the Next Stand. It's based off of the design of the popular Kickstarter um, Roost stand, I think, uh, but it's a much chunkier and quite a bit less expensive as well. I picked one of these up, and especially if you're a remote worker who likes to move around a lot, whether you're between coffee shops or co-working spaces, or if you're actually traveling as a remote worker, Having something like this is super helpful, especially if you have issues with like RSI or issues with your neck being punched over a laptop. It's really easy and the stand collapses down to fit into your bag and pretty small. I think the one that I have is maybe um, 18 inches long or so. I'm not sure what that is in centimeters. <laughs> I'm really throwing these I metric know. and conversions at you today. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um but it, it's it's fairly small and compact and fits in my laptop bag very easily. And it just it's been a, a huge lifesaver when it comes to like my neck and back because I deal with some issues with that if my posture isn't in the appropriate position. So having a, a stand that lifts my laptop up so it's more at eye level versus me having to look down at a table has been huge, especially um, having that when I'm out and about mm. throughout the yeah, day. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at it now. I've, I didn't actually know uh, of it before we mentioned it. And it, it looks quite cool. Like, because at the moment, like in front of me, I've got like this sort of rester and then combined with like a Griffin stand, but it's not really like, like portable, if you know what I mean. So right. this looks pretty portable, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's designed to be portable. I have I have a like an Amazon Basics laptop stand that I used previously on my desk before I switched to a desktop computer, but I still have a laptop that I use for traveling and having a portable stand like this is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it looks yeah, it looks quite cool. I might have to um <laughs> well, I mean, I've got a setup now, so I don't really need it, but it it, it would have been blinking helpful in the past. <laughs> um yeah, totally. I, I recommend anybody that needs that uses a yeah. laptop uh, when you're traveling or when you're, you know, if you jump between coffee shops and stuff to check something like this out, yeah, it definitely. really helps. Um, I'd say the only caveat with it is that you have to carry uh, an external keyboard with you. But if you're like an Apple user and you've got one of the um, you know magic keyboards, I think they work really well with this because they're pretty compact. Yeah, fit definitely. It looks damn cool. And um my number, I, the number four that I chose was um, an application called Setup, 
Um, now, from my memory, this is a nine dollar ninety nine subscription, um, but it's a it's basically like uh, a toolkit. So sometimes people like uh, what they do is like when you set up a business or say you're a freelancer or something like that, and you 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 end up paying for all of these services like a maybe a to do list app, a calendar app, like and then smaller services like uh, video players and and Instagram app finders and these small apps that sort of build up. Well, basically, this is like setup is like a um, discovery um, place. I'm, I'm awfully explaining it. It's basically like uh, a way to find any app that meets a need. Um, and yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of like a Netflix for applications. It, they contract, I think, with these software developers and they you know set up takes a cut of the subscription fee and then passes the rest of it on to the developers, depending on how much their applications are used. So it's one way for developers to get recurring revenue from their applications without having to do the whole in-app purchase subscription thing if they want to. But it's also a really cool way to discover, especially like Mac apps, Um, like Ulysses is one of them that's on there and they have their own subscription as well, but you can get access to it through that. So if you're a writer, it's an awesome way to get access to that. But yeah, I, I'm a setup subscriber myself too. And yeah, it's, yeah, I've been indispensable because it saves a lot of money over the long term with buying some of these more expensive, fully featured applications that are involved in there. Yeah. And you explained it a lot better than me. (laughs) I was, I was tripping over my words there, but yeah, I mean, there's so many different apps on here that I, I just love. And there's one actually that got released called Side Notes, which um, I want to actually check out. But there, there's like, I think over 100 apps or something like that. So you can pretty much just install them from the the uh, sort of dashboard that you've got, which is really neat. Yep. And uh, I, I've been using it for about a year and a half now, and I think it's pretty sweet. Yeah, I've been using it for a little over a year. And I mean... It's been little apps too, I think, that have been the game changer for me, like Bartender, yeah, uh, which is an app that allows you to hide your menu bar icons on your Mac, oh, yeah. but still have them available. It's like 15 bucks, I think, generally. And it's like, well, it's a little too much for me to want to just buy it for what it does. Yeah. But when I had it under, you know, got it under set app, it's been installed on every Mac that I've had yeah. available on ever since. And it's been fantastic. So it's also a good way to like, kind of get acquainted with these applications um, because then if you don't continue with the set app subscription at some point, then you kind of know like, oh man, these certain apps are really key to my workflow. Maybe I can just go buy them myself or I'll just invest in the uh, in the subscription. That's it. It's like a um, quite a cheap or effective way to do it instead of necessarily just investing like yeah. a bunch of money in them. Totally. <laughs> Definitely. Um, what is CalNotes? Because that's number five for you. Um, I was curious. Myself. Oh yeah, CalZones. Cal Zones. So... It's a fantastic name, I think, hearkening yeah. uh, back to the famous pizza dish of sorts. We're really, you know, where it's like the pizza folded over on itself and it's baked. And yeah, um, we call them calzones here in the States. So, um, but what this, what this is, it's a calendar. Oh, it's okay. Uh, what this is, it's a calendar app for iOS and it's specifically focused on dealing with different time zones. So you can use the application to see what a specific time is in a different time zone. So at Discourse, we have, I think, 
people across 12 different time zones. So scheduling calls and things like that, or trying to figure out like, is so-and-so awake? <laughs> it's kind of gets yeah. a little difficult. And we use another application online that keeps track of those time zones as well for people. But I found it really easy, especially for the quick people, you know, the people that I need to know quickly that I interact with on a regular basis um, throughout the company. Uh, you can add time zones to this and then it's got a little um, iOS widget so you can swipe uh, swipe right on your home screen to get over to it and just get a quick glance at like, oh, it's 5.51 p.m. in Paris right now, just to kind of get a sense of, you know, what the time zones are. That's primarily what I use it for, but you can also do some uh, scheduling mm-hmm. and stuff as well in that application. It just makes it a lot easier if you're dealing with multiple time zones and trying to collaborate that way. Yeah, that is definitely um, a good recommendation because so many people struggle with that. And it's it's also about that sort of work-life balance. Like you don't want to be contacting someone after 5 p.m. Yeah, totally. So, you know, like you don't want to be bothering them. And and it might just be there 1 a.m. and they freak out that they missed a call or something. Um, so it's a great way to respect other people's calendars. Yeah, I think that's a huge piece of it is is being able to set those boundaries and respect those boundaries that other people have. I've I've run into it at work where I've messaged somebody and I'm like, crap, it's like eight o'clock their time and I don't want to be bothering them. They'll respond anyways. They're like, yeah, I'll, I'll get back to you if I want to and can or if I can't, I just won't. So there's that too. But especially when you're trying to schedule meetings, like if you've got three people all in different time zones, it can be really challenging to try to figure out when can we actually meet? Yeah. I know that so many teams like Doist use apps like this just so that they Mm -hmm. can, because I I don't know how many times they'd say are over, but you know, it's it's crazy once you get over 50 people, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's pretty nuts. The cool thing is like hearkening back to number one in discourse is we've kind of developed some tooling in there too, um, where, you can add a date and time to uh, a post and even to a yeah. poll if you want to like set up meetings that way. And mm-hmm. um, it'll localize to that in that user's time zone. So say I put something out and I'm in central time in the US and then you take a look at it, Francesco, it'll show up depending on where you are in the world. It'll show your local time oh, that's um, good. for that posting. Yeah, so it's pretty cool yeah there's so many of these like time zone tools that are coming out that just make it dead simple to figure things out yeah you just avoid the whole googling you know yeah this to this (laughs) every single time it's that could be stressful definitely oh yeah especially if you're not exactly sure what time zone the person's in then you got to ask them and it just gets messy and takes a lot more time than it should yeah and and do you know if calzones is available on android as well I don't know. I don't think it is, uh, but I, I I do know that it's on iOS and it works really well there. Okay, brilliant. Well, uh, I didn't know any iOS ones, so that is absolutely perfect. And if I need it, I'll, I'll definitely download it. Um, number six, uh, this one's from myself, and it is from, it's Audible. Um, I constantly go throughout the day, like having these 15 minutes to spare or 20 minutes to spare, um, you know, when I take breaks and, uh, I definitely did it a lot more when I was remote working, uh, traveling to the coffee shop and sort of micro bits of time. And it's listening to audible. Um, I find it some of the best, one of the best ways to like be able to read a book. Like obviously you can sit down and read a book and enjoy it. Um, but I find that audible is great because I can turn up to like 1.5 speed 
and just sort of powder through a book in uh, maybe a couple of, maybe a week or two versus, because I'm a slow reader, maybe a month and a half. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it's one of the best bits of money that I spend on a routine basis. Um, do you like, you like physical reading more than Audible, right? Or audio? Yeah, I, I'm just more of a visual learner yeah. anyway, as it is. Um, I can hear stuff and it sticks with me. And, and it's interesting because books are a lot different to me than podcasts. Podcasts feel more like a conversation and I can engage with that. But when it's, um, which just like a reading of a book, it totally kind of goes in one ear and out the other. (laughs) But I, I've personally found some use for audible and specifically when I've been traveling when like, say I'm driving in the car for a long period of time and I can't necessarily, you know, read a book even though there are people that will drive down the road in the united states and have their head buried into a book i have no idea how they do it and that rant now yeah Um, (laughs) another podcast (laughs) yeah right whole other topic yeah thank you very much um but i i've I've enjoyed uh doing that i had to take a bunch of uh long trips last summer and i got an audible subscription briefly for that. And I read a book called, um, the revenge of analog. Oh yeah. Uh, which is all about, you know, how analog things are kind of, uh, surging back from physical books to notebooks to board games and all of that, which is funny because we're talking about audiobooks here and we're talking about a book that's about paper books basically. Mm, yeah. But it, it was a great way to, to learn something that's, um, more complex and thought out whereas a podcast tends to be shorter bits of information books tend to be more thought out Mm. long form thoughts um you know you get more more of an in-depth look at a particular topic through a book and so if you like podcasts and you like consuming content that way maybe audiobooks is a good way to do it audible is probably the best one out there for it definitely um out of curiosity do you follow um matt ragland on youtube yeah, I do. Uh, I've I've watched a few of his videos. In fact, when I was really experimenting with the bullet journal earlier this year, uh, Matt's materials were pretty instrumental in um, kind of influencing that decision. Amazing. I was going to say, because it's like that topic of analog and he's definitely focusing on it a lot at the moment. And I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, there's real power in analog, especially when we're digital all the time these days on our phones or computers tablets televisions all of that being able to disconnect from those things uh, i've personally found has given me greater clarity in life uh, and greater clarity in my own thoughts and my own emotional world and all of that so it's been been a good thing to invest in that that place definitely uh talking of number seven it's sort of on the same lines is audible do you want to explain (laughs) yeah so if you work in noisy places whether you're in a coffee shop or you're at home and you've got kids screaming in the background which i did just a couple seconds ago (laughs) having noise canceling headphones really helps you keep your focus i personally have the bose uh, qc35s and i know they're not the quote-unquote best noise canceling headphones on the market but they're pretty darn good and i just went on like i mentioned i went on a flight to san francisco for the conference and used them the entire way Um, and it just really made things a lot more enjoyable um, through that process but 
especially too, like if you need to focus and you get a little bit of music on, you got the noise canceling going in a busy coffee shop, it's a lot less likely you're going to get distracted by the conversation next door, um, even compared to having normal headphones in because you have that noise canceling element there. 100%. Um, I invested in some recently and uh, yeah, they've changed it. Which ones did you get? Uh, JVC. uh I'm going to have to look at it. Live 650s. I didn't. I didn't okay. I'm not familiar with that particular I brand. I didn't but... actually intend to buy them. They came like as part of a free gift or something. And I chose those. Um, but yeah, like, well, yeah, nice. it is definitely. Um, and I wish that I had them like ages ago because <laughs> it would have solved a lot of problems because you just want that focus. And especially when you're listening to, um, like I listen to, I don't know about you. I listen to a lot of like lo-fi music when I'm working. Um, yeah, yeah cause too. it's like, just like, so, uh, there's no audio, like, uh, someone singing or anything like that. And it's just sort of repetitive beats. It's quite nice, especially with the headphones. Yeah. I, I personally find the lo-fi stuff to be really relaxing and it kind of eases me into a better state of mind to get more focused work done. Whereas like if I need to really power through something or I've got a bunch of like rapid fire tasks, some more upbeat music is the better choice for me. But yeah, the more relaxing styles of music are I find are better for me to actually focus. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, number eight, uh, and, uh, and I think this is something that we can come back to because obviously we chatted at the start a little bit about like Slack, um, and I think my problem with Slack, and, and you can definitely talk about your problems with Slack, and it might be the same, <laughs> um, is that Slack, uh, the problem with I with it that I had before was that it was just like a running stream of an endless conversation. Um, yep. yeah, I used it with uh, a team in Birmingham. I was partly remote with them and uh, partly in person. And it was just a great way to nudge people. Um, but an awful way to just be nudged all the time. Um, so like you were part of the problem as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah and that, sure. that's what sort of, I guess, pointing me towards twist a little, um, we've been using twist for maybe a year and, uh, what's different I'd say about it is that you've got threads, I, I guess a bit like discourse cause you've got like the forum abilities. Um, but you can create mm -hmm. like a thread based on a goal. So for example, like, we'll be like, all right, okay, this article, we'll create a thread on it. And then when we're finished with that thread, we can close it and that conversation's ended. So it's a bit more like you were talking about before in intentional. Um, it's an intentional action. And I think they're, I think they're underselling it at the moment. Like a lot of these tools are underselling that are more intentional, but um, I wish that Slack did something like that. I mean, there are so many other good things about Slack, but functionally, it's so disruptive. Yeah, indeed it is. Um, you know, and I, yeah, it, it, we used to use in the corporate gig that I worked in, uh, Microsoft Teams, and before that, we used Atlassian's HipChat, um, and then before that, it was uh, Skype for Business. <laughs> and even even with just Skype for Business, which is not, you know, this huge chat room, it's still individual IMs. Yeah. Like when you're online, people just expect that you're available and they ping you. And 
you know, there's this expectation of like, oh, I've got to respond right away. It's the same thing as like getting a text message and not letting it hang. And there's this kind of social pressure almost of like, I've got to be engaged. Yeah. I've got to respond, you know, especially when it's for your job too. Uh, it can get really distracting though. And then combine that with being in an open office environment as it is, it's really easy for someone to just walk up, tap yeah. you on the shoulder, interrupt you that way. Then you get five <laughs> IMs during that conversation, you know, that conversation. And then you've got to deal with those. And then you got 12 emails that came into your inbox and there's an expectation to deal with those. And part of that's all yeah. cultural uh, in the organization. Um, but the other side of it too is some of it's yeah. a tooling. And when you live in infinite streams of information all day long, you get into the mindset of, well, I have to be infinitely available too. And I think that's a huge problem with some of these chat tools, unless you intentionally mitigate it. Yeah, that definitely. And um, I think I used to be part of the problem. Like <laughs> in the company I used to work at, I used to uh, be very like social when it comes to like asking people stuff. So I always want to like (laughs) go up to them in person and talk to them. Um, But now I'm sort of like, like uh, I work with, um, we worked with three people at Keep Productive in terms of like, Alice is the main person we work with. So uh, we have regular conversations, but our twist conversations and our twist use is so like efficient (laughs) that we've never actually needed to have a call um, so That's we're awesome. actually gonna, it's not really, because <laughs> we definitely need to talk one day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we are planning a call to actually have a, a real life chat, but the, that's a sort of very 21st century problem. It's true. And I mean, I think that's one of the benefits of either something like twist or discourse is that you can have really focused in depth conversations about certain projects or issues within your organization without having to have those calls. And especially if you're distributed and you're not on the same time zone, you can have those conversations and people can participate very easily when it's not, you know, when it's time for them and they're available to do so instead of, oh, I missed that massive Slack thread. Now I have to go scroll up and try to find it, try to figure out what the heck is going on in my organization. <laughs> yeah. That is literally the worst thing about Slack. It's like you spend more mm-hmm. time trying to find stuff than you do. Um, you do, and and they did introduce some form of threads, but it just sort of flopped, didn't it? Yeah, I don't. I'm. I haven't really used Slack that much, actually. And you know, part of it is because it's a major cloud-hosted app like that. And <laughs> you, you know, they've had security problems in the past too, so I haven't really rested on them. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well. Uh, We've got two more, um, and just before we sort of dive in those two, I just wanted to um, let you have the opportunity to tell people out about your podcast process because it's a it's a great podcast, and you've been talking. You're going to be talking a lot about procrastination, right? Yeah. So my podcast at um, podcast at effectiveremotework.com called Process. Uh, we primarily focus on discussing just the realities of being a remote worker and dealing with productivity and how to basically live an effective life in both life and work. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about uh, intentionality. And I didn't realize that we were really like focusing on that over the last three, four episodes. But um, it, it's been a subject that's been on my mind a lot lately. 
because it's so important. Uh, I just recently went through the margin course by uh, Sean Blanc. Um, and it's that's a, an amazing resource for how do you be more intentional? Because how do you have more margin and space in life? Well, you have to be super intentional about what you choose to do and not do. And so, yeah, this um, this week we're talking about how to be how to have an investment mindset with your actions instead of just doing stuff because investment is very proactive and mm. focused on having a return. Whereas just doing stuff is very, tends to be very reactive and just kind of scattershot all over the place. Like, Hey, I've got a hundred tasks in my task manager. Let's just do them instead yeah. of saying, what's the like important two or three things that I need to get done today or even this week Yeah, that move the needle forward. Fantastic. And next week, yeah, yeah next week we're talking about procrastination too. Yes. So that'll be kind of a fun conversation. I've been dealing with that lately myself. I love it. And and that's what's so good is I think all of the topics are uh, from the heart in terms of things that you're thinking about, themes that you're running through your own life. So it, it's a good way to, you know, get a perspective on everything. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm going to write that down now because Margin by Sean Blanc. I mean, I know Sean's work, but I haven't. I don't didn't know he did a course on it, so I'm going to be writing that down. <laughs> yeah, it just it just launched in July. I think they had an open enrollment window of a few weeks, and now it's closed. But it should be. I'm guessing it'll be open within the next six months or so. Again, I'm oh, I'm not okay. sure though. But yeah, it's fantastic resource. Yeah, I'll, I'll means, check uh, it out. Yeah, yeah, because I I love the the sweet setup and all the stuff that they do. So I'll I'll. Uh check it out yeah um yeah fantastic right so we've got one each to round things off and uh number nine is one that i picked out and that's actually an app that's available inside of setup um it's called clean my mac um and this is one that uh, i actually had as a sponsor in september so um it's it's not one that i uh intentionally put here um, I wrote this list a while ago, but I actually really enjoy using it. Um, so basically what it does is it uh, analyzes your uh, your Mac use. So it does all the storage, it does all the files and uh, the CPU use um, and basically detects where your computers or Mac is being slow. Um, and then you can basically clear all that sort of junk or that junk uh, that's sort of slowing down your your Mac. So it's one of my favorite ways um, to actually just sort of clear out um, the Mac and just make sure it's um, spring clean because obviously like running so many edits and and different files and things like that, I'm just like so worried that my computer is going to break down. So this, <laughs> this actually helps me right. prepare at least in advance. Yeah, I use Clean My Mac as well. I just ran it the other day on my laptop, and it really helps to kind of clear out the cruft that builds up when you're <laughs> doing a lot of work on it. You know, because there's all these files and stuff that end up in the background mm. in you know in the system files that cache information, or you have language files that you don't even use because you don't speak those languages. I think Clean My Mac can help you clean up all of those things and save a significant amount of space on your hard drive. I didn't even know that. I think. Uh... Yeah, I probably like just kept those languages for no reason whatsoever. Probably thought they were Oh yeah, they just come default installed what? and then <laughs> clean my Mac will just say, "Hey, you're not using these, so here, go ahead and delete them." Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is cool. That is very cool. Um but yeah, it's uh 
a handy one and you can get it through the set app subscription so it's just a quick install there um or you can buy it like separately but um i think it's if you want to trial it it's probably better in setup um great number 10 uh matter most yeah so since we've been ragging on slack the whole time <laughs> what a better way to round out the 10 items on this list to have a slack clone yeah let's do it let's do it <laughs> Yeah, so Mattermost is basically a Slack clone. That's really what it is. Yeah. But what we've found helpful at our company is to have an open source software that we host ourselves. So we're in control of all the data. We're, we don't have to worry about, hey, did Slack have a breach? Um, because we don't use Slack anymore. And what we've found with this, and, and the key with this is that we don't use Mattermost as our only communication tool. We use Discourse mm -hmm. as well. And we tend to view Mattermost as our short-term memory as a company and Discourse as our long-term memory. And so when you pair chat together like that with a long-form communication tool like Discourse or Twist, it works really well because then people can have instant interactions with the people who are awake at that time inside the chat tool. And so it's a little bit more social, but we honestly don't go crazy in there. It's not like we have this endless stream of activity that you have to catch up on. When I wake up in the morning, I mean, we have 30 some people in our company. When I wake up in the morning, there's maybe 10 messages in the whole yeah. chat system okay. to catch up on. Um, so it's really not too terrible, but we are also a technical organization where we do hosting. And so if there's issues in the hosting, I mean, we've got to have a way that we can communicate with each yeah. other quickly. And so having a chat software on hand allows us to do that. But then we do, if there's anything of importance in chat, it has to go into yeah. discourse. Um, and so, and we also have a chat integration that integrates the two together pretty well. So if there's important information from discourse that needs to end up in chat for people to see, it'll push it over there oh, too. Okay. So it, it, it works. Yeah, it's pretty cool and works together. Um, but it's, I think the big key when you're going to have chat is your mindset yeah. and the way that you're using the tool. And we specifically at Discourse are using chat differently because we have this long form communication tool that we primarily use. We're using it for the side conversations or the one on one conversations that need to take place. Or, I mean, really just, you know, collaborating uh, in short form. Oh, okay, so uh, Mattermost is like your short-term sort of quick chat, live chat, yep. sort of now, and then uh, anything that's of sort of decent, uh, you know, guides and s anything that you don't want siloed goes into discourse. Uh, yeah, and then too, anything that comes out of those short-form chats that's relevant to everybody to know long-term, that has to go into discourse. That's kind of our company yeah, That's rule. a good rule. I quite like that. Yeah, I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't really think of like, having uh, never really thought about it really is having like a sort of uh, stable sort of long form ch team communication tool combined with a short form one yeah that's uh that's pretty interesting for sure yeah 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 it's a different way to think about it but uh, it makes a lot of sense when you when you start to use it especially when you've got multiple people who are trying to collaborate on something yeah. you can work together um you know with the low value content, you know, where you're just hashing something out back and forth in the chat. But then if there's valuable ideas or policies or whatever that comes out of those conversations, then you can put that into your long form 
uh, communication. Yes, tool. and like Matt most is the place where you put out the fires as well uh, when they when they occur. Yep. <laughs> that's a yeah, that's pretty good. Well, uh, that is our ten applications. Um, Justin, do you want to let everybody know where they can find you after the podcast? I mean, from the last episode, I think they should be following you, but if they're not, where can they find you? Yeah, so we already talked about the podcast, which is podcast.effectiveremotework.com. You can find Effective Remote on Twitter at Effective Remote, and you can find me at Justin DeRose. Lovely jubbly. Well, uh, we're, we're getting into like quite a routine every sort of one to two months is do a podcast. So uh, everyone should expect you back. Um, Justin, it's uh, been lovely chatting with you. Likewise. Are you a subscriber on the Keep Productive YouTube channel? If not, you'd love it. Software reviews and news. Just search for Keep Productive on YouTube for weekly videos. Thanks for listening to the Tools They Use podcast, a Keep Productive production. See you next time.